1: That's eight hundred seven six oh, eighteen forty five.
2: You guys, it's Rick Tittle.
3: Thank you for that, and welcome to another live edition of Titulating Sports with Rick Tittle. I'm going to talk like this the rest of the show. No, I won't. But we're here, and we're talking sports with you. 1-800-878-PLAY is the number to call. 1-800-878-7529. Get you in and get you heard wherever you might happen to be listening. In this great land of ours. Coast to coast, border to border. Actually, we bleed over the borders. We go into... Canada and Mexico, wherever you might happen to be listening. I want to hear from you. I'm Rick Tittle. I'll talk about any sport you would like. Football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, auto racing, boxing, Olympics, go to the ball chess, checkers, rugby, cricket. We'll do it together at the toll-free line. 1-800, not toll-free line, but toll-free line. 1-800-878-PLAY. Big shout out, as the kids would say, to our brave men and women who protect us in our military and who are listening right now. On the American Forces Radio Network, if you're in the military, I'm on your side. You're doing a great job. Hope to see you at home very, very soon. I always mention that I come from a military family. I think most of us do in America. America, America. But even if we don't, we definitely appreciate uh, all that you do. In the first hour today, coming up in just over 15 minutes, we'll have Frank Chi. He's directed a new documentary. It's on HBO called 38 at the Garden about Jeremy Lin. We also have, and I'll make sure I try to say this right, Sejal Choksi Chug, who's the executive director of San Francisco Baykeeper, and this is something that we'll do with Karen Lyle for salesporttalk.com at 940. Other than that, we're going open lines. A lot of open lines this week. Everybody hates me now. Uh, I usually have 12 to 14 guests or two. So we'll do it that way. one 800 play TuneIn app iHeartRadio App, Stitcher App. I'm on twitch.tv. Check me out right there. SportsByline.com streaming along. Emails rick at sportsbyline.com And CRN Digital Plus 2, the cable radio network channel 2, 35 million homes on your cable provider. Come on back.
4: Festivals,
5: football, flannels. Some say fall is their favorite time of year. And this fall, there are now updated COVID-19 booster shots designed to help protect against COVID-19 variants. If you've had your primary series, schedule an updated COVID-19 booster shot appointment as soon as you're eligible. And don't forget to enjoy the foliage. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech.
1: How would you like to publish and sell your own audiobook? Great stories deserve great storytelling. Audiobook Network provides professional voice actors and full production services for every author's manuscript. You'll choose from one of our many voice actors. Bring your story to life with audiobooks. Consumers are mobile these days, and having an audiobook helps authors reach a larger customer base, which increases book sales. From narration, production, and editing, to distribution, promotion, and sales, Audiobook Network does it all for you.
3: Titillating sports with Rick
7: Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a he's So handsome. He's a genius.
3: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, 1-800-878-PLAY as we open lines here to begin the show. 1-800-878-7529, get on in and get heard. So, a lot of times, you know, I say father time is undefeated. That's a little thing we say in sports sometimes just to say, yeah, you know, doesn't matter how old you get. It's going to happen. I was watching that uh, Nolan Ryan documentary last night, which is pretty good. And um, it's one of those things where it was midnight and I'm like, I got to go to bed. And I thought, if I watch one minute of this Nolan Ryan thing, I'm not going to stop. And that's exactly what happened. And I watched the whole thing till one whatever. But the, the one thing I'll say too that I admire about uh, Nolan and uh, Ruth Ryan. he uh, They met when they were in uh, high school in Alvin, Texas, a little podunk town outside of Houston, and they've been together ever since. And they had three kids, and they got all these good-looking grandkids and everything. They showed them at the ranch and all that. But Beth Ryan <clears throat> is... perfect example, if I may say so, of just aging gracefully. Why would I say that? Well, I'll say that because I think most rich people, women and men, you look at Jerry Jones, they just can't accept the fact that they're going to get a wrinkly face and a turkey neck or whatever, you know, and you can still be graceful and beautiful and age the way you're supposed to. You know, Beth Ryan had a million wrinkles and cracks but so classy, just really classy. And believe me, they have the money for all of that BS to look like the Riddler or the Joker. And, you know, and it's not like she doesn't have any vanity. She takes care of herself. But I just, I just, I don't know. I just appreciate that. I just figure that when you're a multimillionaire, like I said, men and women, sometimes they're like, oh, I I can't age. But anyway, the Nolan Ryan thing, I had the uh, director on my show. It's uh, very interesting because you just sort of learn about how many times we all thought he was done. And (laughs) you think about the records. I mean, no one has played 27 years of baseball, and to think a pitcher did it. And the fact that, you know, he struck out 27 Hall of Famers and... 15 sets of brothers and 9 sets of father and son pairs and it just goes on and on and on. He has the most uh, you know walks (laughs) why wouldn't he in Major League History along with the strikeouts. As Randy Johnson said uh, I'm second all time and no one has a thousand more strikeouts than I do. It's like no one's going to get there. And so Uh, Anyway, I thought it was uh, a pretty good uh, doc, as the kids say, if you want to uh, check it out. And by the way, coming up the next segment, we'll have a doc about Jeremy Lin, a Bay Area kid, um, as well. But anyway, getting back to Mother Nature is undefeated, too. South Carolina's home game versus South Carolina State has now been moved from Saturday to uh, Thursday, Thursday. And there's no television coverage that's been announced because of the uh, impact on the hurricane. I think it's Hurricane Ian, which is a Category 3 storm. It's already gone through uh, Cuba. It's coming through the Gulf of Mexico. It's supposed to hit Tampa or Fort Myers sometime tomorrow. And then from there, it's supposed to go through Florida, southern Georgia, and South Carolina by the weekend. And so they're going to be able to uh, move the the uh, the game. Um, just thought I'd throw it in. I, I'm here with the Florida Gulf Coast uh, and Atlantic Coast uh, weather reports. Um, so, you know, it's funny because I was thinking about how, you know, I'm a friend of the Pioneer League singing the national anthem and other things. And the last three summers visiting Pioneer League teams, Um, two years ago in Idaho Falls when that was the only baseball going on during the pandemic. Um, Last year in Boise, as they say, Boise. Boise. I also know that where the University of Idaho is in Moscow, you don't say Moscow. That's in Russia. You say Moscow. Okay, got it. And then uh, this summer uh, in uh, Colorado Springs and Colorado Springs is a hellhole when it comes to weather, not as much as Seattle, where it just rains 300 days a year, and I always love it when Denver says, we have more sunny days than LA, yeah, but if it's 12 degrees, who cares if it's sunny, but Colorado Springs has lightning every day from like 3 to 5, and then more at night. If you look right now, I'm going to do it right now just for fun because it's still in my uh, weather. By the way, this is some great sports talk going on right now. Um, just looking at my phone, Colorado Spring the Live Radio. Uh, today, lightning. Tomorrow, lightning. Not Thursday. Friday, lightning. Saturday, lightning. Sunday, lightning. Monday, lightning. Next Tuesday, lightning. I'm not. I, I just looked right now. I'm not making it up. And it just, there's something about that valley. They're the second biggest city in Colorado, but there's something about that valley and Pikes Peak, which I went to the top. That was a scary drive. No guard. I mean, I've driven through Monaco where Princess Grace went over the side. That's perilous. And in Italy, no one, there's no laws in Italy. It's kind of like our freeways now. If you've driven on freeways in California... You can drive as fast as you want. You can text. You can just weave through lanes. Or my favorite, you just drive really fast until you almost hit the guy behind you, in front of you and then you tail them. It's like the person doesn't understand the laws of physics. It's like, if I go really fast, this car will get out of my way, right? Oh, it's still there. I don't understand. I'm a bonehead. But, um, yeah, for a place that has nonstop lightning... Why would you put the Air Force Academy there in the midst of all these mountains? (laughs) Why would the United States Olympic Training Center be there? And I went to the Olympic Training Center. I went to their little Hall of Fame. I went to the Air Force Academy. I graduated with honors, no, as a visitor. And it's just, uh, I don't know. It's just funny because I would think that the settlers would come in and maybe two or three would stay. Remember, You never underestimate how much people will give up on the trail. And the testament to that is Reno. And I've been to Reno a million times because my cousins are in Reno. They moved there from San Jose in 1979. And because I'm a Tahoe guy, too, I've been to Reno a million times. But Reno is a testament to people who left the uh, at least the Midwest. Let's say Missouri, Independence, Missouri on the trail. They get all the way to Reno... Which is nothing but wind and and just uh, nonstop, uh, you know, tumbleweeds and wind. And they're like, "We're done." It's like, "No, no, no!" Just over these mountains is California. Just over these mountains, there is gold. There is the Pacific Ocean. There is the Central Valley. There is lush, beautiful land. I am done. What? I am not taking another step. You are going to stay. You are going to build a house here in this valley in Reno. I am not taking another step. I think that's what it is. All right, um, what we'll do uh, after a break is we'll start the show for real. This was just a test segment to make sure that our uh, microphones were working and all that good stuff. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
1: That's 800-817-2968
6: No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror? How would you like to learn the secrets to lose 3-5 to pounds a week easily without joining the gym or going through any crazy diets? Call right now to learn more about your risk-free order to Body Sculpt.
1: Call for your risk-free offer. 800-738-5332. 800-738-5332. 800-738-5332. That's 800-738-5332.
9: You know, exactly. over time, you know, the more and more you do something, Practice the better you get at it. Time. Just like, you know, Anything. you didn't become this excellent at radio overnight. Thank you know, man. you know exactly when to say we got one minute left.
3: <laughs> <laughs> right. You know? Because I'm so good looking. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Practice makes perfect. <laughs>
10: You must be crazy. Use a DOG. And if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
3: All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome uh, filmmaker Frank Chi. He has a new documentary that's going to air on HBO on October 11th at uh, 9 p.m. called 38. At the Garden, hard to believe it was 10 years ago, Lynn Sanity with uh, Jeremy Lynn at um, at Madison Square Garden there with the New York Knicks. Frank, welcome to the show. What was the sort of genesis behind this whole project?
2: Thanks for having me. Uh, So the birth of the idea, really, it came from a conversation that uh, I was having with one of my producers, Trayvon Free, about impossible moments. Like, what is a moment when society at large tells a group of people you can't do something and someone comes out of nowhere and shatters that to pieces, right? That is very much what insanity felt like to me. Um, I, I'll tell you a little bit about why it's called 38 at the Garden. It's about the night Jeremy scored 38 points against the Lakers mm-hmm. at Madison Square Garden.
7: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and I was living in D.C. at the time, and I was trying to get in the game. I, I came out to the Garden, try to get in scalpers are going to charge me $700. It's not happening. And I ended up in Koreatown right next door watching it with a bunch of Asian Americans who were like around my age, were a little bit older. And it was one of the wildest experiences of my life because you had two hours of people losing their minds watching him play. right? And I was like, you know, is this about the wall of stereotypes that people feel like they have to deal with? And all of a sudden they see someone breaking it on the world stage. So they're reacting cathartically to that. Or is this just maybe never getting to live our childhood dream because our parents made us play the violin or something, <laughs> right? Like, is it both? I mean, it was certainly both for me. So I I've been you know thinking about this story for obviously a decade, and when we when we when I was retelling this story to Trayvon, he was just like, how how is that not a movie? Like Lynn Sandy from an Asian fans' perspective. Um, and I thought about it, and I was like, man, like one it's going to be the 10-year anniversary in a couple of years. And two, this is right when anti-Asian violence was starting to pick up around the country, right Right in the beginning of COVID. And I was like, look, if we talk about insanity the way we do because somebody shattered stereotypes in front of all of us on the world stage, right? And in many ways, anti-Asian violence is what happens when you weaponize all of those stereotypes that have been there in the first place. That's how you, that's how you create this, terrible phenomenon that we have right now there is a very very natural through line for all of that if you're Asian American you don't have to explain it to anybody. but if you're not what I realized is like people don't make the connection and very very much uh that's what the movie does you know towards the end is you know you're not really thinking about basketball at the end you're thinking about stereotypes and you know we're just so grateful that Jeremy was willing to tell his story with us this, this way on the 10-year anniversary and I think you know I'll put it this way if you if you are different if you feel different in this country it doesn't matter what your background but if you feel like when you walk into a meeting or you walk down the street walk into a party and you feel like there are stereotypes that are crawling and 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 follow you around you want to break them this movie will hit you here hit you right in the heart
3: you know it's funny because not funny haha but when linsanity was going on first you had carmelo who was saying hey when i get healthy this linsanity is going to end uh (laughs) which it kind of did uh and then you had Jason Whitlock saying, you know, some lucky lady's going to oh, yeah. feel a couple inches of pain. And then they oh, said, yeah. well, he didn't get fired because he's black. And then Max Breda said, who will find the chink in the armor? And they go, oh, you said chink. And he's like, yeah, but that's not what it means. Then he got suspended. I mean, there's all sorts of crazy stuff going on.
2: You know, I think that's a – I remember reading an article about how referees didn't know how to, how to referee Jeremy because they never saw someone like him play, Right. Mm-hmm. Um, when you have a phenomenon like that happen and it coming out of nowhere, uh, the ecosystem gets disrupted, and sometimes people say really vile stuff. When that happens, uh, I'm not giving anybody an excuse. But mm-hmm. I think now that we're ten years later, um, it's time to be able to look at it and look at it from the point of view I think that matters the most, which is why it was a phenomenon for so many people, especially if you're Asian American. Why did you hold on to that moment like the way that I did? Right, Um, And I I wanted to to bring people into that point of view as much as I could, and I think the movie achieved that. I I really don't think you're going to be thinking about basketball at all by the the end of the movie, Um, which it's probably the best mark of what a sports movie should be because sports are about the arena, but it's about everything outside the arena. Why does it matter the way that it matters? And I think 38 at the Garden achieves that. It's
3: very interesting. A couple more questions for Frank Chi, 38 at the Garden on HBO on October 11th. I grew up in the Bay Area, uh, like Jeremy did. Very diverse, um, you know. Grew around, grew up around all sorts of people from all sorts of places, and and yet I remember I was doing this show during Lynn Sanity and um, this guy called me Jr. He was um, Filipino, and he said. Jeremy Lin is a hero to all Asians. And I was thinking, oh, maybe the, the Taiwanese or the Chinese. Yeah. And he said, no, no, no. He goes, all, he says, he's a hero to all Asians. And I, and I, it's something I didn't really think of. And I thought, oh, yeah, he's right.
2: You know, here's the thing, right? There's a lot, a lot of the differences matter when it's, you know, our immigrant parents and it's the old country. Mm-hmm. But when you get here, and this goes for Pacific Islanders, it goes for anybody with an Asian face in this, Asian-looking face in this country, those stereotypes are are the same, you know. They follow us into the same rooms. They follow us into the same down the same street, and um, you know if, if this is why I think like you know like when when something like that happens, you know, it's a unifying moment. It could also be a very disrupting moment for sure. But but for a lot of people, it was a unifying moment that made the culture stronger. And I think for Asian Americans, especially, it's such a nascent identity in like the context of like what American identity is. Uh, It was a really important moment for that.
3: I remember being at the Coliseum when the Raptors beat the Warriors. And, you know, as a lifelong Warrior fan, I was upset. But I was, you know, in the locker room and trying to talk to Matthew Della who went to my college, St. Mary's. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, Jeremy Lin's on this team. Like, (laughs) I I almost forgot. How huge was that? Because I remember afterwards he said, you know, it was the first, um, you know, Taiwanese-American to get a ring. That was a big deal, wasn't it?
2: it was it was and you know sometimes it's, it's about the the act of doing it right the visual that that will exist in perpetuity of someone who looks like me who who's who has a ring right who's holding the trophy mm-hmm. um and those are the, the, look at i don't we live in the age now where like we're talking about representation uh in every context more and more and i think jeremy has just he has fulfilled that for Asian Americans in, in ways that were completely unexpected, uh, that lasted a decade, right? Jeremy played nine years in the NBA. And I mean, if you see in the movies, we see him on the day before he thinks he's getting cut, right? The day before he checks into the game um, against the New Jersey Nets where he drops 25, um, that was supposed to be the end, right? And it, one, it still hasn't ended now, but it, it was a nine year NBA career. And, and, and that I think sort of says a lot about how people misjudged his talent and and what his potential was because of his background.
3: Just time for one more question. You got some great interviews with this, of course, with um, Jeremy himself, yeah. but Ronnie Chang, one of my favorites. I mean, what <laughs> I'm sure that that must have been something.
2: I mean, that joke that he tells, you know, him and Jenny Yang, uh, one of our other comedians in the movie, that they, the way they tag team for that that joke about who our role models were supposed to be when we grew up as Asian versus who we wanted them to be. That's probably my favorite joke um, in the movie. And I think, you know, Rodney has a great way, he, like humor in general, right? It's just, it's a great way to to disarm a lot of the things that people might find hard to talk about, right? Whether it's stereotypes, whether it's the way a lot of Asian kids grew up, you know, because we got we got plenty of complaints. We got plenty of complaints. And that was one of the reasons why Jeremy also met so much because you know, I think we all wanted to live that dream where, you know, Michael Jordan was our role model instead of the doctor. And watching him fulfill that dream, just it meant the world to a lot of people who didn't get to experience it.
3: What's the reaction been like so far from everybody that's uh, seen this early?
2: Oh, man, we had an incredible reaction at Tribeca when we premiered this. Um, a lot of people came up to us in tears, man. Like, I think probably because if you are Asian American, but if you feel different in any capacity in this country, right? Like the end of the movie is about you. And of the movie is about stereotypes. So like people are not really even thinking about 38 to garden or thinking about we or thinking about 10 years ago. They're thinking about their lives in this moment right now and what kind of challenges are in front of them. Um, and, you know, obviously for Asian Americans, like we, we, we took this to a bunch of, uh, Asian American Film Festival this summer, and it's just won audience award after audience award, right, because it just hit home for so many people. So we're excited now that it gets the kind of audience uh, that it will have on October 11th. So let's see what the global reaction is.
3: <laughs> it's going to be a big hit and uh, awesome to get it on HBO. It's It was at the Tribeca as well. We've been speaking to director Frank Chi. Make sure to check it out on home box office there, uh, at, uh, October 11th at nine o'clock. And, uh, of course also involved in this, uh, the Academy award winner, Trayvon free and Samir Hernandez as well. Frank, great stuff, man. Thanks for coming on.
2: Thank you. Appreciate it.
3: All right. Uh, no doubt. And I remember Joe Lacob, the owner of the, uh, the warriors because no one, no one wanted Jeremy Lynn out of college. He, he wanted to go to Stanford or Cal obviously, they said, you're not Pac-10 material. It was still a Pac-10. You had to walk on it. Well, Harvard, Ivy League doesn't give athletic scholarships. And then Joe Lake had made it his, you know, because of Palo Alto High School. He's like, no, this kid is going to be an asset. And he was right. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back. Oh, yeah. it's the big stuff.
5: Who do you
11: This is Karen Lyle of SailSport Talk with an update from the Spain SailGP 2022 race. Wind and waves presented a challenge for all the teams. Here is Tom Slingsby of Team Australia.
3: Yeah, it wasn't easy. Those conditions, just the, the waves, it's like a washing machine out there. There's so many waves bouncing off the brake wall coming back at us. Um, you're always in those conditions you're only one crash away from being passed even with a minute lead, if you fill the boat
10: up
2: with water all the way it's, it takes a few minutes to drain out until you can foil again So, uh,
3: but we sailed really well, Jason Waterhouse was MVP today um, the flight controller had such a tough job
11: Team New Zealand's Peter Burling didn't make it in the final in Spain, but it placed first in France on the last LGP race.
4: Yeah, I think the hardest part about racing today was just actually keeping the boat going well in a, in a straight line. Yeah, you know, We felt like we were doing a really good job of it at times, but then yeah, you know, also struggling at other times. And you know, Definitely those last couple of races were pretty hard Pretty hard for us. You know, we definitely made a couple of mistakes today, but obviously did a couple of things really well as well. So, we're just looking forward to going back and review.
11: Team Canada won two of the preliminary races, but it wasn't enough to place in the final.
0: We had a uh, yeah, a bit of a tough day to be honest. We had uh, yeah, race one we got a great start and round of mark one in great shape and yeah, just a big hole on the ocean which we we put. whole boat into and it actually kind of destroyed all our front bearings and uh, all the sort of aerodynamic parts of the boat so we're just a bit slow for the rest of the day and we did it again in race two and you know it's just a, a case of being quite a new team it's new conditions that the whole team's experienced for the first time and it's tough it's really really hard.
11: Jimmy Spittle of Team USA took second place overall in Spain. We knew that we couldn't push
9: things like ride height and stuff like that. It was just trying to be as consistent as you can. We knew that there were, we were gonna have moments. The whole fleet had moments and it was really just trying to just stay cool and recover and just get back into the race. The toughest moment was when you were going for a jibe, you know, getting around Mark 1, as you got towards the wall,
12: it was even rougher because of the the rebound happening. So yeah, that that was the hardest part of the racetrack, I reckon.
11: Quentin de la Pierre and Team France took their first win, taking first place just seconds ahead of Team USA. Big battle
4: with the Americans, especially at the leeward mark, and uh, I was struggling during the maneuvers with my leeward rake. It was quite new to do it uh, as I can and 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 keep our strategy uh, clean.
11: The SailGP Season Championship is still up for grabs with Australia in the lead, New Zealand second, and France third. This is Karen Lyle of Salesport Talk.
3: All right, Thank you for that. It is Tuesday at 9.40. That's when we check in with Karen Lyle from SalesSportsTalk.com, who will co-host this segment with me. Karen, how are you?
11: I'm
13: doing just fantastic, thank you. How are you doing?
3: Not too bad. Let's bring in our guest, and uh, I hope I pronounced uh, the name correctly. It is Sejal Choksi Chug, Executive Director of San Francisco Baykeeper, a fierce defender of the environment. And uh, first of all, Sejal, I hope I said your name correctly. And secondly, how does this translate into the world of sailing?
14: Hi, good morning, guys. Yes, you did pronounce it correctly. Translates into the world of sailing. So what we saw back in July and August in San Francisco Bay was a huge algal bloom where basically algae was growing out of control. And that turned the water all red and murky brown So for sailors, you know, I assume that a lot of them are getting out on the water to enjoy the beautiful scenes and the gorgeous waterway that's San Francisco Bay, and for it to be kind of a murky, yucky-looking brown and smell kind of bad, like, that's just not a place where you want to be taking your boats and and enjoying the water. Um, There's also some research that shows that some of the algae uh, was kind of letting off an irritant that might be harmful to people's lungs and can cause kind of allergic reactions. And so people on the water during that time may have experienced a little bit more kind of coughing and sneezing and and kind of the the reactions that are not really fun. Uh, Certainly not an enjoyable way to be on the water.
13: Well, um, do they call this a red tide? I I was out there certainly during that time on my boat sailing and saw the the kind of reddish-brown color of the water and and could could see the effects of it. Certainly not a day that I wanted to go swimming. Tell us a little bit about red tide.
14: Yeah, so it's caused by a microorganism that's naturally in San Francisco Bay and in many other waters of the world. Um, And basically what happened is that the conditions in the water were such, like, perfect conditions that the nitrogen and the phosphorus was too much, and the algal bloom just basically thrived. And we see this algae growing in the bay at other times of the year and uh, in, in past years, but it's never grown out of control like this basically turning the entire San Francisco Bay brown. Uh, and so it's, it's just really an unfortunate situation because what happened when that algae started dying off is that it killed massive numbers of fish. We saw hundreds of thousands of fish wash up to the shoreline. We at San Francisco Baykeeper have a pollution hotline that people can call into. And we were getting reports all at the beginning of August of thousands of fish and bat rays and and i'm talking big fish like sturgeon and striped bass that were washing up on the shoreline dead basically suffocated because there wasn't enough oxygen in the water so it was kind of a one-two punch for the bay where not only was it this murky yucky brown color but all of the, the fish were essentially suffocated and died And and so we saw well, it was really just the tip of the iceberg with the number of, of fish that were impacted. And we're we are still studying to figure out what the actual ecosystem impacts were. So I'm assuming this is going to have some impact on the fisheries of the bay and not really be great for sports fisher either.
3: You know, I remember I'm a Bay Area native and growing up they talked about how since uh you know the Europeans came to California that the bay has been filled in some people say you know 10, 20, 30 percent it keeps being filled in and now I know there's much more conservation. I remember the Warriors they first said we're going to build an arena under the Bay Bridge and people said you can't build onto the bay we have to stop doing that so for you at Baykeeper what is sort of your raison d'etre that you tried to do to keep the bay uh, preserved?
14: Yeah, it's great that you mentioned the Warriors. Uh, They listened quite well when we asked them to please not fill the bay and build on it, and they ended up building a beautiful arena over at Chase. And uh, they're actually partnering with us and doing a great job on kind of promoting shoreline resilience and shoreline protection, and that's really what we believe at Baykeeper, that the San Francisco Bay is worth protecting and it's a, it's a national treasure that really we should be preserving the shoreline and making it really accessible for all of the people around the Bay area to visit and to get in the water and to get on the water in their boats and, and really make it kind of a public, uh, a public resource that we can all enjoy by not allowing the spill to happen and not allowing, um, all of the industrial pollution and stuff to really harm
13: the waterway. You also are part of a worldwide movement with the Waterkeeper Alliance. Can you tell us a bit how um, you know, fighting pollution but also um, responding to red tides around the world um, you know, is, is helped or, or benefited by the Waterkeeper Alliance?
14: Yeah, so San Francisco Baykeeper was a founding member of the Waterkeeper Alliance. We were created 33 years ago, when we were the first baykeeper in the world. And uh, what the movement is really about is having a an organization that's got eyes and ears on the water and a pollution hotline so that people in the area can call in and let us know what's going on and then what we do is we investigate that information with our boat and our drone, and we determine how to hold polluters accountable. I'm, I'm talking big corporate polluters and also government agencies accountable for the health of our waterways. And since a lot of these algal blooms are caused by pollution sources in San Francisco Bay specifically, it's caused by an over nutrient rich environment that's... Um, where nitrogen is getting into the water from all of our 40 wastewater treatment plants that aren't removing that kind of pollution. Um, but in the Delta, it's actually caused by agricultural runoff, really toxic polluted fertilizers that are getting in the water and creating dead zones. And then across the country, we're seeing polluted runoff from ag and different farm interests and industries and polluted runoff from different um uh, other sources and it's causing problems in waterways in Florida and the Chesapeake and the Great Lakes and even across the the world we're seeing dead zones and algal blooms and so this is really where we're we've got warmer waters across the world and conditions where pollution really needs to be better controlled and that's going to help prevent our algal blooms from getting out of control and so that's really what Baykeeper and the other 350 plus water keepers around the world are really supporting doing is stopping this pollution from getting into the waterways in the first place so that we can create healthy, resilient, thriving waters.
3: Uh, Sejal, who are some of the if there are groups that you lock horns with, that you get pushback from, do you have any of those adversarial places?
14: Yeah, I mean we've got four five uh, oil refineries in the bay area they are all seeking to expand and bring in more oil which is very harmful when you burn fossil fuels for um, the communities that are there in the in the area but also for the planet as a whole you know it's definitely one of the main causes of global warming is is this fossil fuel burning um, we also have the coal industry that's looking to try to build more coal export terminals in Oakland and expand their terminal in Richmond. And so we have a lot of on-the-ground polluting sources that are happening. And then we catch polluters. I mean, we caught the Valero refinery in Benicia dumping petroleum coke into San Francisco Bay in a really harmful way. And so we're now working with them to try to fix their problems. So it's a lot of big corporations that really should know better and should be following the law, and they're just not. And mostly we find that they're just you know, trying to make a profit and hope that nobody is paying attention. But unfortunately for them, San Francisco Baykeeper is out there on the water watching them and paying attention and then holding them accountable when we find evidence of them actually trying to shirk the law.
13: You co founded the Bay Area chapter of Environmental Professionals of Color. Can you tell us a little bit about that organization and how that makes a difference?
14: Uh, yeah, I did. Um, so we started that back in the spring of 2020, um, mainly because we were realizing that there really needed to be more support for people of color in the environmental movement. Um, it was wonderful coming up through law school. At, I went to law school at Cal and then I started the job at Baykeeper, that I was just really noticing that uh, a lot of people who I was interacting with were just really, they didn't look like me. They were mostly uh, from a different background and had, you know, kind of environmental conservation as their um, main goal. Um, and I really came from an environmental justice and public health background, and so, uh, just bringing more diverse perspectives into the environmental movement in the Bay Area is really important to me personally, um, especially because we have so many industrial polluters around the Bay. We've got over 1,600 industrial polluters around San Francisco Bay, and that means they're all in our communities. Those are places where people live, and w- we really want to be focused on bringing those perspectives of those community members into the environmental Conversation because that means that we're going to be protecting public health even better. And that's really important living in the Bay Area. I want my kids to grow up in a healthy environment, have clean air to breathe, and clean water. And I'm sure a lot of our listeners care about those issues as well. Um, it's just really critical that we make sure that these companies are doing the right thing and not trying to get away with something.
3: And then we just have about a minute or two. I love the logo for Baykeeper. It's a fish, but it's also an eyeball. I mean, you're literally out there on the water looking, aren't you?
13: Yes, we are, and I'm so glad you like our
14: logo. Thanks for saying that. Um, Yeah, and we've been actually really grateful to be partnering with a lot of our sports teams around the Bay Area. The Giants have been a great partner, and the Warriors have been a terrific partner. Um, So we're really looking forward to working with both of those guys. Um, And, uh, you know, we recently announced a a partnership with Hunter Pence, and our our favorite giant, um, and working on a healthy and resilient San Francisco Bay. So we'll be uh, uh, giving more details about that in the coming year.
3: There she is, Sejal Choksi Chug, Executive Director of San Francisco Baykeeper. Thanks for coming on and the uh, information as well.
13: Of course. Thank you both. Thank
3: you, Sejal. And, uh, Karen, uh, good to talk to you. We'll do it again next week.
13: We will see you next week.
3: All right. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break, and we will come on back on Byline.
1: 800-754-4531. Pricing information, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, 800-915-9654, that's 800-915-9654.
2: Where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store?
10: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: All right. Thank you for that. We still have another two hours to go. We have uh, in the next hour, nobody, at least not yet. So it'll be a good time for you to call 1-800-878-PLAY. Third hour, we'll have an Against the Number.com segment. Still waiting to hear. Do we know who that is yet, Don? ATN? I don't think we know yet. Um. It's gonna be Mick. It's gonna be Mick. What's his last name? Yard? Yep. Yardell? Yard- Yardley. Yardley. Mick Yardley. Thank you. Yardell. <laughs> Let me write that down. Doing we're doing live producing here. Mick Yardell. And I think he. He usually talks NBA, so we'll just throw whatever football. They, they do everything like I do, right? You have to, if you're an American, you got to know everything. I remember one time I was explaining that to people in England, and they're like, well, I'm like, I not only have to know all about football and basketball, I have to know all about college. And they're like, oh, I can't understand that at all. John Frankel from Real Sports uh, will join us at 1140 uh, as well. Uh, one thing I love about Greg Popovich is he is a realist. You know, he'll tell you what he thinks about everything, politically, what have you. This is the guy who went speaking of the Air Force Academy. But uh, there was a media day uh, in the NBA yesterday, and the coaches got up there, and Greg Popovich said, I probably shouldn't say this, <clears throat> but I'll say it anyway. What the hell? Nobody here should be going to Vegas on the thought of betting on us to win the championship. I know somebody will say, gosh, what a Debbie Downer. What if they work really hard? It's probably not going to happen. Unquote. And he's correct. But it's rare to hear a coach come out and just say, your team's going to stink. But it's the truth. The Spurs have, over the last year, traded DeMar DeRozan to the Bulls, traded Derek White to the Celtics, DeJounte Murray to the Hawks. They have not made the playoffs since 2019. And that is a franchise-long drought, which will be extended into this season. You know you're good when that's a drought. But there are more teenagers on the roster than 30-year-olds. There are four teenagers on the Spurs, two 30-years-old. And a lot of people are saying they are stinking so they can get Victor Wenbanyama. Tank for Wenbanyama. It doesn't really rhyme. Caesars has the Spurs winning the NBA at 100,000 to one. I'll put down five bucks on that to win half a million. Why not? I'm Rick all. Come on
1: back.
7: USA
8: Radio News with Lance Pride.
12: Mandatory and voluntary evacuations totaling over 300,000 people have been ordered along Florida's west coast as Hurricane Ian closes in. Most weather models are projecting it making landfall somewhere between Tampa and north to the panhandle. Currently over western Cuba, the Category 3 hurricane is expected to become a Category 4 by the time it hits Florida Wednesday. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis.
15: So expect. Heavy rains, strong winds, flash flooding, storm surge, and even isolated tornadoes.
12: The Tampa airport will shut down at 5 p.m. local time Tuesday. President Biden's move to cancel student loans for many borrowers and put the burden on the American taxpayer, according to the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, will cost us about $400 billion at a time of red-hot inflation. The cost of outstanding student loans will increase by about $20 billion, because of President Biden's decision to suspend payments during the pandemic. Alec Baldwin may soon face criminal charges for allegedly firing the gun that killed the cinematographer on the movie set Rust, as the Santa Fe Sheriff's Office prepares to release its final investigative report on the shooting. At the same time, the Santa Fe District Attorney filed an emergency request for over $635,000 from the New Mexico Board of Finance so her office would have the funds necessary to prosecute up to four people in connection with the incident. Authorities in Marshall County, Iowa, about an hour's drive northeast of Des Moines, announced that a human jawbone found in the Iowa River last month was not from anyone around the area. In fact, it goes way back to the prehistoric age. The University of Iowa is reporting the jawbone is from an older Native American man who is probably thousands of years old. We are USA Radio News.
8: Stress, it never seems to end when you owe money to the IRS. What about the years of unfiled tax returns? Have you tried another tax service and gotten nowhere? Then you need Tax Alliance. Why? Years of being a rated with the Better Business Bureau with no consumer complaints sets them apart. Call 800-987-1097. That's 800-987-1097. Don't wait until the IRS attacks your wages, bank account, your home or pension, and even your social security check. Tax Alliance specializes in IRS tax relief programs, including the Fresh Start Initiative, which can finally free yourself from IRS debt. Their tax professionals can file returns, fight the IRS to substantially lower your IRS debt, or possibly even have it forgiven. If you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes, have unfiled tax returns, or have a payment plan, and are still frustrated, call 800-987-1097. That's 800-987-1097. Tax
7: Alliance, your tax resolution solution.
12: The Department of Justice is requesting that the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia command former Trump White House advisor Peter Navarro to provide all email records from his time at the White House under the Presidential Records Act. The American people are heading into the midterm elections with multiple concerns on how the country is being led. An unsecure border allowing fentanyl to kill Americans every day. An economy that is red hot with inflation. Biden's energy crisis. As prices are starting to rise again, crime and safety also continues to hurt Americans.
4: A majority of Americans do not feel safe in the country. According to a new poll from the Trafalgar Group, 69% report they feel less safe than they did two years ago. Significantly, 64% of Hispanics and 58% of black people say they feel less safe than they did two years ago. Overall, just 27% of Americans reported feeling just as safe now as they did two years back. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg.
12: Nepalese rescuers in a helicopter were searching Tuesday for a famed U.S. ski climber a day after she fell off Mount Manasla, near the peak of the world's eighth highest mountain. The search by helicopter continues for 49-year-old Hillary Nelson. Mount Manasla is close to 27,000 feet tall. For more information, visit our website at usaradio.com. Lance Pry, USA Radio News.
3: Alright, Seat of the Pants Radio, we got it We just had some programming changes in the last couple minutes, John Frankel of HBO Real Sports will be moved up to the next segment, so coming up here in less than three minutes uh, He's going to talk about wada. Sunday going to beaten and bomb on a cool water sandwich Remember that? Bulls, uh, Blues Brothers, Elwood Blues And then uh, David Scott at 1040 Dom, is that what he said? Ten forty. Okay, he has a piece on uh, Darren Waller, and uh, we'll talk to uh, him about that. Not just that, but we'll talk to him about that. 1-800-878-PLAY to get in. 1-800-878-7529. Darren Waller's an interesting guy. When I was doing uh, Raider Pre and Post the last year in Oakland, he was cast off from the Ravens because he showed up drunk more than once and they gave him plenty of chances and they finally said, this guy is not taking this seriously, you gotta go. And I don't blame the Ravens for cutting him loose and neither does Darren Waller and he went to the Raiders, got on the straight and narrow and turned into one of the best tight ends and the Raiders signed him to an early extension and now they've just signed him to another big extension and he just had the worst game of his existence on Sunday Dropping two touchdown passes, one of them turning into an INT in the end zone. Horrifying. My brother texted me that Darren Waller was on the take. (laughs) I don't think he was on the take. I just think he's a human and he had a horrible day where he stunk. And then the one catch he did make, there was holding and it had to come back. I know. It's all poopy. So John Frankel on the other side from HBO Rural Sports and then David Scott of HBO. three HBO guests in less than two hours. Would it be nice to get Larry David? That would be a good uh, HBO guest. And then in the third hour, uh, the immortal Mick Yardell, who could forget his surname, he'll join us from uh, ATN as well. And then at, uh, well, whatever. Come on back. We'll figure it out.
1: That's 800 760 1845. Do you want to know the secret to putting extra money back in your pocket? Then switch your car insurance. And now you can make one phone call and shop dozens of insurance companies. Just like buying airline tickets, where it's easy to make one call that has all the best deals. We have great deals with most of the major top rated insurance companies. We are your superstore for car insurance. We've switched people from their expensive car insurance plans and saved them hundreds of dollars a year. If you think you're paying too much for your car insurance, call now. It's easy to switch, and in five minutes, yes, just five minutes, you'll learn how much money you can save on your car insurance. Save yourself some money this year. Call now for your car insurance. Call e-insurance now for your free car insurance quote. 800-298-9093. 800-298-9093. 800-298-9093.
8: Call today and ask about our buy one, get one free offer.
1: 800-761-9334. 800-761-9334. 800-761-9334. That's 800-761-9334.
16: Check out
3: Channel 9. Check out Rick Tittle. All right, uh, check me out. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you nationally syndicated around the world on the American Forces Radio Network as well. Tonight on HBO's Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel, there is a brand-new episode at 10 p.m., both uh, Eastern and Pacific. And joining us right now, once again, great to have him back, a correspondent from that show, John Frankel, and he has a piece about WADA, the World Anti-Doping Agency John, welcome back to the show. And when I think WADA, the first person I think of, of course, is, is Dick Pound and, and how they went after the, the bicyclists and how they went after the Olympic athletes. And they really tried, uh, at first anyway, to toughen the drug testing uh, regimen. But you have found in this piece that they have been uh, accused of being lackadaisical in this manner?
15: Uh, I, I guess that's a uh, that's one way to put it. Um, thanks for having me back on. It, it's good to talk to you. Yeah, this is a story about an organization that was formed in 1999, basically with the blessing, if not the mandate, from the International Olympic Committee. And uh, the idea was let's get tough on on the dopers. Let's let's crack down on this. And if you look at it on the face of it. It seems like they're doing a great job because they're reporting and they're testing. Now, keep in mind, WADA itself does not do any of the testing. They're an organization that oversees all of the respective countries' anti-doping agencies. So the countries are responsible for their own testing. But what WADA was seeing was that they had a 1%, roughly a 1% positive test result. So you say, well, that's great you know, they've done such a good job. They got it down to where only 1% of the athletes are cheating. And, ah, but not so quick, which what we learned is that in their own studies and their own analyses of various um, surveys that they had done anonymously, that athletes were answering the questions and saying that, no, it could be as high as 35, even 45% of the athletes are still doping. And when you get anecdotal evidence from, Respective athletes in certain sports, you're you're hearing the same thing. For instance, weightlifting, which is considered to be a high-risk sport, uh, one of the people we spoke to, who's been in the sport a long time, as both an athlete and now a coach, says everybody's weightlifting and everybody knows it. So that was one part of the piece. Yeah, that that what is water doing, and and why are their numbers so low when in fact the numbers are suggesting that so many more people are doping. So then we took a look at the structural flaws of WADA, which is is that, one, they have what some may say is a rather paltry uh, budget of $46 million to govern the world when it comes to international sports competitions, including the Olympics. And others who are critics might say, no, that's already a lot of money that they're wasting because they're basically just putting in uh, education programs and studies and this and that, and they're not really doing any serious work. Those are the critics. Um, And then so you say, okay, they're understaffed, they're underfunded, if you will, and when you look at the funding, 50% of the funding comes from the IOC itself, and the other 50% of the funding comes from the member countries, the Olympic committees and governments of the respective countries around the world. So you ask yourself, how can a body that's been put in place to govern be run by the ioc it's not completely independent and that was one of the that was really the, the heart of the piece and then i can tell you some more about some specific issues that also arise but that's the heart of the piece Wada says they're catching people when in fact it seems like they're really not and there seem to be some inherent conflicts of interest in the structure and the way this was set up
3: We remember the last Olympics with the doping uh, with the Russian athletes and they were going to be banned and, no, they weren't. Well, now they can go, but they can't wear Russian flags or colors. It was a weird thing. And is this why Rob Kohler, who was there for almost 20 years, quit and basically said it ain't working? Yes, that
15: was, I think, for him the final straw. Rob Keeler was the number two there to the general director. And had been involved in the organization for many years, I think 18 specifically. And, uh, yes, he had made when, when prior to, when, when the Olympic scandal broke out of Sochi, that the Russian athletes were basically system wide, uh, you know, sanctioned drug, you know, drug cheating, doping, um, that Rob within water had recommended that Russia be banned from the Olympics and in fact that recommendation was passed along to the ioc but the ioc did not follow through on that and so you might say well i don't understand how is it if WADA was set up to protect the sport and create if you will and i put this in quotation marks and even playing field well why wouldn't the recommendation be followed through on and that's where we comes back to the heart of the piece of the conflict of interest in the ioc being the funder and having created this organization if you ask yourself. Well, what's in it for the IOC? The IOC is a revenue producing organization. They want to make as much money as they can. Hmm. If they are sticklers about who's cheating, well, then you might end up with a lot of high profile, big name athletes who can't participate. You may, I'm not suggesting they all are, but you may end up with a lot of big names. And so you don't want to see those people on the sidelines because then how do you market the Olympics? How do you sell TV licensing fees if, if these athletes... What happens to your ratings? What happens to your advertising dollars? What happens to your sales? All of that takes a hit. And so that's where the inherent conflict is. And yes, that is, to answer your question, for Rob Keeler, that was the breaking point for him. He really began to say to himself, well, then what am I doing here? And so, in fact, he's now on on the other side. He's really trying to help athletes have a voice in how this is regulated, governed, administered, and so forth.
3: You know, it's interesting to me too, when I think about I just assumed that this was either run by the IOC or a five oh one C three nonprofit. This is a for profit organization, you're saying.
15: Well the WADA, Wada has a has a budget of forty six million dollars and yes, I mean they're I mean, they're not selling anything, they are governing, but they are getting their money uh, from the IOC and from the member countries, right? And so they lack, they do not have any independence. They would say that they do have independence, but if you look at the money trail, there's no way they can have any independence from the IOC.
3: So do you think that there's a, uh, I mean, is there a follow the money or a paper trail? Does this go back to Putin? Does this go back to big pharma? I mean, did you find anything that was even more nefarious?
15: No, we didn't. Um, and and I'm, you know, are those things possible? I think that what the message was after the Sochi, um, Sochi gate, if you will, Sochi gate, is that, you know, having, it was important, and Keeler says this, that, He was told point blank during when he made the recommendation, he and his colleagues made the recommendation that the Russian athletes be banned, that he was told point blank, back down, back off. Hmm. And so it became apparent to him that having the Russians participate in the games was more important than regulating the dopers and, and creating an even playing field.
3: There he is, John Frankel. Make sure to check him out in all-new Real Sports with Brian Gumbel episode tonight on HBO 10 o'clock Pacific and Eastern. And uh, coming up a little bit later in the show, we're going to speak to David Scott about his piece and about Darren Waller in the same show. John, always great stuff, man. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate it.
15: I appreciate it, Rick. Thanks so much.
3: All right. I'm Rick Tittle. We will take a break, and we will come on back on Byline.
9: Do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine?
1: that's 800-817-2968.
6: No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror? How would you like to learn the secrets to lose three to five pounds a week easily without joining the gym or going through any crazy diets? Call right now to learn more about your risk-free order to Body Sculpt.
1: Call for your risk-free offer. 800-738-5332. 800-738-5332. 800-738-5332. That's 800-738-5332. Wait! She must have meant 10 o'clock at night. Do you think?
5: Why would
9: she have you meet her in a bar at 10 in the morning? <laughs>
3: I just figured she was a raging alcoholic.
10: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown
3: you. All righty then. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. one 800 A play Dick Pound. I remember when Dick Pound, great name by the way. Dick Pound, Richard Pound, he was a um, Olympic swimmer for Canada. If I'm not mistaken, he founded WADA in Montreal, which I think is his hometown. But whatever. He, I remember he went after the Tour de France and he said, they're all on drugs. And Lance Armstrong wrote this long piece basically saying, you know, it's very uh, unacceptable and unreasonable for you to say these things. And I remember Dick Pound said, I never said Lance Armstrong personally. It's kind of weird that he would write this. It was. But I also remember Dick Pound saying, and this was heck, like 15 years ago, but he said, one-third of the NHL is on drugs. And the NHL was like, what? He's like, one one-third of the NHL is on performance-enhancing drugs. And I remember Gary Bettman had drug testing for the entire league. Guess how many hockey players had performance-enhancing drugs? Zero. So he threw some poo at a wall about the Tour de France and he was right. He threw poo at a wall at hockey and no, not, not performance enhancing drugs. But this is the thing. Sometimes it takes a long time for the uh, people to suss out what you did, what you didn't do. I mean, we just had some. Awards, You know, if you're going to give Jim Thorpe his gold medals, and I saw all the gold medals when I was in Colorado Springs at the USOC's Hall of Fame there. The ones from Berlin sucked. They were like the size of uh, Kennedy 50-cent pieces. None of them were ever that small before or since. But if you're going to give those back, why don't you give George S. Patton posthumously a medal in the modern pentathlon uh, in Stockholm and he shot through a hole twice in the bullseye. The rest of the world was using 22s and he was using a 45 and they said, you missed your target. And he goes, no, I got two bullseyes and went through the same hole and they said, you're the same hole. And that was it. But I bring it up because, we finally got a ruling on the James Wiseman recruitment scandal, if you want. Quotes. And the University of Memphis. What is it? By the way, thirty-four months for this investigation. That's a great job. It's like we'll pay you ten grand a month to investigate this. What do you think? Five, six weeks? Uh 34, 34 weeks, 34 months. This was an investigation by the old IARP. Oh yeah. That's old people, right? No, that's AARP. The independent accountability resolution process. Yeah, that's a real thing. And by the way, it's the AIRPP because you have to have an initial for at the end am I wrong? Am I right? That'd be a good catchphrase. Instead of saying, am I right, people? Just say, am I wrong? I learned that too uh, one time. Renee Latchman, who was a manager, whenever you argue with an umpire, you point at yourself as hard as you can. So you get right up into their face, you point your finger, and you just keep pointing it at yourself the whole time you're making a. A Comment and then the F word you can say, F me, worst effing call I've ever seen. I can't effing believe it, but if you say you effer, then you're tossed. Okay, we know that anyway. The verdict for Memphis, Pssh, bing. Well, they have a five thousand dollar fine. <laughs> It's not like I want more. (laughs) 34 months of an investigation. Death penalty, how many scholarships, what happens with Penny Hardaway, what happens to the boosters and recruiting and the gym and the lacrosse team and the diving team, are they affected, are they? $5,000 fine. In addition to that, They said, we want a percentage of the average men's basketball budget based on the average of the men's basketball program's previous three total budgets. Oh, geez, how how much percentage do you want? Are you ready for this? 0.25%. So, um, now, that's the part that's funny. Here's the part that's not funny. They're going to go on probation immediately until September 26, 2025. Ugh. They have to also vacate all the games they won with James Wiseman to... I shouldn't laugh. It, it no one wins from this. You have to vacate all Wiseman-related stats. He played in three games and they won two in November twenty nineteen. All Wiseman-related stats. So that means if you're if he had five rebounds and you had twenty team rebounds, it's now fifteen. I'm pretty good at math. It's like wow, all these. Uh, This alley oop. How do you do an alley oop to yourself? It was an assist from Wiseman, but he's been eliminated from the record book. Okay. Uh, Penny Hardaway, Tigers head coach, not assessed any penalties, but biggest of all, they avoided the postseason ban. Now, Memphis was initially levied with seven total violations. Four level one violations, three tied to Hardaway, one level one, two level two infractions. The notice of allegations accuse Hardaway of not establishing a culture of compliance as head coach. But in today's ruling, the IARP stated that Hardaway's, quote, longstanding philanthropic commitment, particularly to youth in the economically disadvantaged Memphis community, even prior to becoming an athletics booster, unquote, was a factor. How about that? Building up equity. Ah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. So the penalties stem from a violation that occurred when Wiseman was in high school. Before Penny Hardaway became Memphis basketball coach, he was employed by the university. And Hardaway gave $11,500 to help Wiseman's family cover moving expenses from Nashville to Memphis. And then Wiseman finished his high school career at East High School in Memphis, Tennessee. Given that Hardaway is probably their most famous alum, and he was a booster at the time, and that was a rules violation. And Wiseman played those three games, which was in defiance of NCAA ruling, and then they kicked him out. Well, they didn't kick him out. They just said, sit here and watch. And then uh, Wiseman and his lawyers fought it, and then they withdrew the suit. And then the NCAA said, you're suspended for 12 games. Then he left the program, and then he was the number two overall pick. So being this is an IARP case, there are no appeals allowed. The ruling is final, and the case matter is complete. Yikes. But the AIRP, which just formed three years ago, right about when this all happened, is a 15-person panel and will now dissolve it was created at the suggestion of the Rice Commission on College Basketball. That commission formed after the federal government sting operation into federal bribery and also fraud in the college basketball world. That was that whole uh, Christian what's-his-face. The Adidas scandal. And so um, five years and one day after this became public from the FBI. Now, The IARP is going to dissolve soon because they still have to have their rulings on Kansas, Louisville, Arizona, and LSU. But unlike Memphis, those four schools are completely and unequivocally tied to the FBI probe now. So Kansas, does it get any bigger? Louisville, does it get any bigger? Arizona, does it get any bigger? LSU, well, Shaq went there. They're a good program, but they're a football school more or less. Kansas, Louisville, and Arizona, those are all huge basketball schools. Huge, especially Kansas. Yikes. And what are they going to do in Tucson? Um, So at first you hear a $5,000 fine, it's, you know, Kramer, we're prepared to give you free coffee for life, and I'll take it. Oh, okay. It's one of those deals. So, um, you know, James Wiseman, for him, he's probably happy that this is done. He has to show that he is worth being an NBA player, much less the number two overall pick. He's a good kid. He's a smart kid. He speaks Chinese. He studied it in school. He's got everything going for him except his health. So hopefully he can put it together for once. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll come on back and talk more HBO, a little Darren Waller on the other side.
16: Dancing crew, trip for two, nail the final interview. Game with Doug, brand new mug. Come here, kid, <laughs> give me a hug. The more you want to do, the more we want to do. Boosters designed for COVID-19 variants are now available. If you've had your primary series, schedule an updated COVID-19 booster appointment as soon as you're eligible. Sponsored by Pfizer and BioNTech.
17: Back to pass goes targeted.
1: He's going down the middle, and White makes the catch. He is creamed, but holds on to the football, losing the helmet. Chin strap flying one way, helmet the other. Holy Toledo.
10: I saw Rick Tittle at the laundromat last night, and I was hella checking him out. I just kept staring at him, and he played like I wasn't even there. I be like that then.
3: All right, that's elaborate. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco, around the world, on the American Forces Radio Network. It was great to check in with John Frankel of HBO Real Sports. And now we're going to check in with uh, David Scott. He also has a piece tonight on the new episode, Real Sports with Brian Gumbel, on HBO, 10 o'clock Pacific and Eastern. And he has it on Darren Waller. David, welcome to the show. Um, of course, Darren didn't have a great game <laughs> on Sunday. But what was the, uh, the genesis behind this piece?
16: Well, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, <laughs> ups and downs um, this season, though there may be, um, Darren's story is really remarkable, and it's a story of uh, of, of recovery, really like an, a, a phoenix rising from the ashes. Um, you know, young man, football standout, um, uh, who, who says he's been uh, addicted to uh, opioids and other drugs and alcohol since he was 15 years old. Um, and yet he was able to hold it together through through high school, recruited to Georgia Tech, um, recruited to the to the to the NFL, to the Ravens. Uh, all that time, he was a miserable drug addict. And um, and um, uh, it took uh, him finding his rock bottom to, to turn things around and, um, you know, setting aside last uh, last Sunday. Um, he's done a remarkable job at it, um, and it's um, and it's only been possible because of the discipline of active recovery, um, and this is something that can really give hope to, I think, uh, a lot of people in uh, in your audience, Rick.
3: The last year the Raiders were in Oakland, I was the host on the uh, pre- and post-game show for the Raiders on the f- flagship radio station, and, and Darren had come in, and we heard the stories about how with the Ravens he would show up and he would smell like booze and they kept giving him a chance after chance and I don't blame the Ravens and and I don't think Waller did either when they finally let him go and the Raiders realized very early on they had something there and they signed him to an extension this is before the fifty one million dollar one he just got recently another three-year deal but on Hard Knocks um, the next year we saw him going to uh, AA meetings and such things and being an inspiration, how has he been able to to hold on to that sobriety and stay on the straight and narrow?
16: Yeah, well, it's uh, it's been uh, just over five years of sobriety for him. Um, you know, after he was uh, suspended for the the, the 2017 season, um, he 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 had a near death experience. Um, literally on the day that the, the Ravens were, were kicking off the, the preseason, um, he was across town buying what he thought was Percocet, uh, well, turned out to be fentanyl and nearly killed him. And, um, and when he emerged from, you know, what he describes as just, um, you know, everything going black for several hours. Um, he was ready to, to at least, you know, in his words, see what help was out there for him. And, um, and uh, you know, as a result of um, the, the NFL and NFLPA's um, uh, uh, you know, rehab provisions, they, uh, they, they were able to send a league, was able to send him to what was obviously an excellent rehab facility in Maine, and, and there he turned, uh, he turned his, his life around, um, uh, learned the discipline of active recovery, which for him looks like daily meditation and journaling and, uh, and weekly meetings with his sponsor, um, and, um, and regular service to others. Um, and, um, you know, a large part of our piece is him opening a window, um, uh, for us, uh, to the, sort of alternate reality of, uh, of, of Las Vegas, this underground network of 600 miles of drain pipes where hundreds and hundreds of people now live uh, and struggle with uh, addiction. And, uh, you know, he's, he's not a guy who's just writing checks. Um, you know, some benefactors write checks. That's great. Um, he's down there in the tunnels handing out peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and, and offering people hope and, 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 more than that, a way out. Um, and uh, And we watched that process unfold um in uh, in one of the one of the drain pipe uh, communities and it's really a remarkable thing
3: yeah, that in and of itself could be a a documentary because uh, obviously <laughs> in a, in a place like Vegas you would imagine there are going to be people quote unquote down on their luck uh you know and and <laughs> derelict and and whatever but uh why is it important for him to 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 be sort of uh i guess the lack of a better word an evangelist about this
16: yeah well i you know a lot of this was um, was really enlightening for me um i wasn't that familiar with with the 12 step process and methodology but the, the final step is essentially service to others you know, you're expected as part of your, you know, uh, holding yourself to account and accounting for the damage that you've done as an addict. You're expected to carry the, the message uh, of recovery and, and hope to others. And, um, and, and, you know, in Darren's case, it's real. You know, he, he's, he's literally down there uh, sharing his experience, um, passing out supplies, you know, walking through, you know, sewage water. In order to um, to carry the message of uh, of active recovery and um, uh, and uh, it's it's really he's really become an an impressive ambassador. I can't think of anyone else in the professional sports space who's made addiction um, you know his or her issue in the way that Darren has. Um, um, And as a result of his um, of his financial support, um, that program shine a light that works in the tunnels underneath Las Vegas is, has rescued over 200 people just this year. Um, and they have a way of putting them directly into detox or, or, or you know, sober housing and keeping uh, them in, uh, in a program for, for, for 18 months, sometimes longer. Um, and, um, you know, uh, <laughs> the, the, the guy who runs the program, Paul Votronot, um, um, is himself a remarkable person. You could do a whole documentary about uh, about him. Uh, but but he has now become Darren's sponsor, and um, and the two are um, are you know really doing remarkable work in that city.
3: You know, it's interesting just from the time that that I saw him for a year, and like those those drops, and one of them turned into an interception in the end zone, right through his hands. Just the right. look the look on his face, just incredulous, and then disappointed in himself behind belief there there aren't many athletes that wear their heart on their sleeve like that because he's a guy who's excited when he gets a a first down and and what it told me is even though we're disappointed it told me that he cares you know what i mean
16: yes yes i, I think you're i think you're spot on um you know he's um he's rediscovered the the love of the game um it's just you know one of the many life benefits of 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 his uh, of his active recovery um, and, um, and he's just a really genuine, just authentic person. He's not, you know, he's not, uh, you know, sometimes viewers might be skeptical. Are they just doing this philanthropy because, you know, they have to give away money or make themselves look good. No, in Darren's case, it's, it's a hundred percent authentic. Um, you know, I can be, uh, I can be get very cynical in this job, but, um, um, but uh, it's 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 very it's very apparent to me, and I think it will be to your viewers that um, that uh, this kid is uh, is really turned things around, and um, and he's he, he's doing very special things.
3: I love the quote too, because you know humans we fear change. His quote is the fear of staying the same <clears throat> becomes greater. Than the fear of of uh, change. So um, yeah. from from what we saw, because I said you know we we know the story on paper, but when you look the guy in the eye, what were just last question for you? What were some of the takeaways that you had from him?
16: Yeah, well, he said that in a moment um, of uh, of encounter between um, Paul, the guy who runs Shine a Light, and uh, and himself, and a forty seven year old man who's been living in the tunnels for eleven years. <clears throat> Can you imagine that, Rick? In eleven years. Mm-hmm. Paul and the program have been trying to get this guy to come out for 5 years. Um and um and you know lo and behold it was the day that we followed Paul and, and Darren into the tunnel you know that um but, that that this gentleman was finally ready to to take his first steps on on the road to recovery and um uh and you know <laughs> You know, Darren and Paul were, you know, were were engaged in this very delicate diplomacy. Uh, you can imagine how how terrifying it would be for for somebody who's who's been living underground for a decade to to begin to change his life. And um and and so you know, we we hear Darren, you know, who on the face of it, you know, how could he possibly identify? with this, this homeless addict living underground, right? He grew up in a middle-class home, um, you know, makes millions and millions of dollars in, in professional football. But no, the common language of addiction and recovery gives him a way to connect directly with this gentleman. And, um, you know, I, he would never take credit for, for you know, um, convincing the guy that this was the day to, to, to embrace change. But, uh, but he was part of it. Um, I watched it with my own eyes, and then, you know, you see this gentleman literally emerge from the tunnel into the light, um, and, um, you know, Darren and, and, and Paul are, are, are really on to something, so I think, you know, the big takeaway for me was, um, you know, there is an honesty and an intimacy in the community of, of addiction recovery um, uh, from which we all have something to learn, and, and Darren's a great ambassador for that message.
3: Very well said by correspondent David Scott, his piece on Darren Waller. You can check it out tonight, Real Sports with Bryant Gumbel, all-new episode on HBO, 10 o'clock Eastern and Pacific. Uh, David, thanks for coming on. Congratulations on the piece.
16: Thank you so much, Rick. Really appreciate it.
3: No doubt. All right, let's take a quick break, and when we come back on the other side, we got time if you want to get in at 1-800-878-PLAY. Come on back.
1: Teams have four attempts to move the ball ten yards. So if
4: you see a graphic on your screen that says first and ten, that means it's the team's first attempt to get ten yards.
10: be crazy. Use a D-O-G, and if you was my man, I would have been kicked you out of my house by now. This is what had happened.
3: All right. Thank you for that. And, uh, you know, just speaking with David about the tunnels in Vegas, it makes it sound like uh, the subway in New York or Paris or something. But so I looked it up, and there's a story just from Last month in the Las Vegas uh, Review-Journal and KLAS-TV that there are 600 miles of tunnels under Vegas with 1,500 people living in them. And uh, every Saturday for the last four years, the guys from Shine a Light, which we were just talking about with David, they get about 80 volunteers to go in and pull people out. They go in in groups of six to eight. They hand out peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, bottled water, first aid kits, socks, a lot of stuff like that. But um, they try to do a safety check. They try to make connections. But uh the... um You know, addiction, mental illness, broken family homes, whatever it is. The guy, Robert Banghart, who runs it, said that he used to be down there. He said, I got hit in the head with an axe, split my skull, beaten with a pipe, and my jaw broken. I was dead twice. Jeez. And uh, it's about as nasty as it can get, too. Like you might see if you're on BART and you look down at some of those places where the trash has basically blocked the street. There was one woman who said, I was trafficked, I had a pimp, and he completely controlled my life for 14 years, and then he chased after me for another three years after that. That's how I got into the tunnels. Jeez Louise. So, yeah, shine a light. I mean, you talk about, you know, It's one thing to say, hey, you want to give money to shine a light? And be like, sure. Do you want to go down the tunnels, which is ankle deep in water sometimes? Uh, I think I'll pass. But why would there be, when I hear 600 miles of tunnels in Vegas, that had to be the mob, right? Why would you build, I mean, that's like Mussolini's escape route. What is this, Iwo Jima? Why are there so many tunnels under Vegas? Because it's too hot? Is that where they <laughs> – if you told me there were six miles of tunnel, I might say, okay, El Chapo's escape route. But no, 600 miles. Oh, it's a it's a horrible, horrible thing, and glad to see that people are helping. I'm Rick Tittle. Uh, we will come back. We still have Mick Yardley. Go Boneyard with Mick Yardley. And open lines at 1-800-878-PLAY. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
7: USA Radio
8: News with Lance Pride.
12: Mandatory and voluntary evacuations totaling over 300,000 people have been ordered along Florida's west coast as Hurricane Ian closes in. Most weather models are projecting it making landfall somewhere between Tampa and north to the panhandle. Currently over western Cuba, the Category 3 hurricane is expected to become a Category 4 by the time it hits Florida Wednesday. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis.
15: So expect. Heavy rains, strong winds, flash flooding, storm surge, and even isolated tornadoes.
12: The Tampa airport will shut down at 5 p.m. local time Tuesday. President Biden's move to cancel student loans for many borrowers and put the burden on the American taxpayer, according to the nonpartisan Congressional Budget Office, will cost us about $400 billion at a time of red-hot inflation. The cost of outstanding student loans will increase by about $20 billion, because of President Biden's decision to suspend payments during the pandemic. Alec Baldwin may soon face criminal charges for allegedly firing the gun that killed the cinematographer on the movie set Rust, as the Santa Fe Sheriff's Office prepares to release its final investigative report on the shooting. At the same time, the Santa Fe District Attorney filed an emergency request for over $635,000 from the New Mexico Board of Finance so her office would have the funds necessary to prosecute up to four people in connection with the incident. Authorities in Marshall County, Iowa, about an hour's drive northeast of Des Moines, announced that a human jawbone found in the Iowa River last month was not from anyone around the area. In fact, it goes way back to the prehistoric age. The University of Iowa is reporting the jawbone is from an older Native American man who is probably thousands of years old. We are USA Radio News.
8: Stress, it never seems to end when you owe money to the IRS. What about the years of unfiled tax returns? Have you tried another tax service and gotten nowhere? Then you need Tax Alliance. Why? Years of being a rated with a better business bureau with no consumer complaints sets them apart. Call 800-987-1097. That's 800-987-1097. Don't wait until the IRS attacks your wages, bank account, your home or pension, and even your social security check. Tax Alliance specializes in IRS tax relief programs, including the Fresh Start Initiative, which can finally free yourself from IRS debt. Their tax professionals can file returns, fight the IRS to substantially lower your IRS debt, or possibly even have it forgiven. If you owe the IRS $10,000 or more in back taxes, have unfiled tax returns, or have a payment plan, and are still frustrated, call 800-987-1097. That's 800-987-1097. Tax
7: Alliance, your tax resolution solution.
12: The Department of Justice is requesting that the U.S. District Court for the District of Columbia command former Trump White House advisor Peter Navarro to provide all email records from his time at the White House under the Presidential Records Act. The American people are heading into the midterm elections with multiple concerns on how the country is being led. An unsecure border allowing fentanyl to kill Americans every day. An economy that is red hot with inflation. Biden's energy crisis. As prices are starting to rise again, crime and safety also continues to hurt Americans.
4: A majority of Americans do not feel safe in the country. According to a new poll from the Trafalgar Group, 69% report they feel less safe than they did two years ago. Significantly, 64% of Hispanics and 58% of black people say they feel less safe than they did two years ago. Overall, just 27% of Americans reported feeling just as safe now as they did two years back. From the USA Radio News Phoenix Bureau, I'm Tim Berg.
12: Nepalese rescuers in a helicopter were searching Tuesday for a famed U.S. ski climber a day after she fell off Mount Manasla, near the peak of the world's eighth highest mountain. The search by helicopter continues for 49-year-old Hillary Nelson. Mount Manasla is close to 27,000 feet tall. For more information, visit our website at usaradio.com. Lance Pry, USA Radio News.
3: Thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. 1-800-878-PLAY to get in. 1-800-878-7529. I always think it's funny when you see these articles about coaches trending up or down. Isn't it basically like how you did your last game? Who's trending up or down? doesn't mean a whole lot. I mean, what do you say about the Giants and the Cowboys yesterday? The Cowboys going to New York, and they win 23-16. They get beat by Cooper Rush. And the first half, three field goals combined. But the second half got a little bit more tricky because Dallas went on a 17 to nothing run, and Cooper Rush actually looked all right. And then uh, less than two minutes left. Trayvon Diggs picked off Daniel Jones, and that was it. But uh, Cooper Rush dropped back 31 times, completed 21, 215 yards on the touchdown. <clears throat> on the other side, Daniel Jones less than 200 yards in a pick, but he rushed nine times for 79 yards. So you know they kept saying, "Don't, uh, don't worry about uh, going out and trading for Garoppolo and whatever." Uh, we got Cooper Rush, and I, I i guess so far, they're right. We're going to have uh, J.D. on the other side, not Mick Yardell. He's mowing the Yardell, so we'll have uh, J.D. Sharp. We're going to talk more MLB uh, today, uh, obviously, but, uh, yeah, the, the offensive line for the Cowboys played well. They did have a lot of penalties. This is an ugly game. Neither of these teams are going to the playoffs. But they're both 2 and one and they're both doing all right. And now Dallas has the early tie break in that NFC East uh, over uh, New York. 1-800-878-PLAY is the number to call to be involved in the show. one 800 we are on the TuneIn app, the iHeartRadio app, the Stitcher app. I'm on Twitch.tv. Hey, how you doing?
17: Beating the books at their own game. Visit against the number.com.
3: That's against the number.com.
7: Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a so handsome. He's a genius.
3: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. 11-12. Time to check in. This is basically our J.D. Sharp segment now. He's the guy from against the and they are ready a highly skilled team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only being the sports books at their own game. They cover every sport worldwide from the NFL to college basketball to soccer to cricket to tennis to European hockey and all of them are proven winners. They offer full season end of current season one month one week one day and one year specialist specific packages. Their prices are reasonable. Their tracking and distribution process is simple and the results are real. J.D., welcome back to the show again, and let's talk a little baseball today. And lo and behold, the Cleveland Guardians, in their first year under that moniker, they are the Central Division champions. We kind of thought maybe that it would be the White Sox or the Twinkies, but there they are, and they did it in pretty emphatic fashion. Chicago is 10 games behind them in second place, and this just kind of snuck up on me. How about you?
18: Yeah, they they very quietly won a lot of games, and they've had a couple of players have some pretty good seasons, like Jose Ramirez. Uh, and really, the the big surprise has been Andre Jimenez, who's yeah, I think he's probably top ten or top seven in WAR for any position player, which is very impressive. But yeah, I predicted that the White Sox would be the champions, not just the not just the wildcard. I thought they would actually win the win their division and. Yeah, they're they're down by ten games. They just didn't have the output offensively they needed. Their pitching never really came around. Cease had an unbelievable year, and I think that he should win the Cy Young. I, I think that Verlander probably does win the Cy Young because he's Verlander. But uh, I think that Cease should win the Cy Young. He's got more innings. He's got a, he's got a couple less wins, but he didn't have the offensive backing that Verlander had. He's got quite a few more strikeouts as well. Doesn't quite have as good of a WHIP or an ERA. But I just think he's he, he, he almost had that no hitter, and that was obviously. Uh, one of those Bob Nightingale jinxes I think I think Nightingale made a post about it on Twitter with uh twenty two outs and uh, Luis Areas was up to bat for the twins. And then uh you know he said, Oh you know cease is one guy away from getting his first ever no hitter and then of course jinx <laughs>
7: of course. uh Areas
18: hits hits that single. He he does that all the time. But no, yeah, the, the, the need have definitely made a good showing this year. I'm sorry, the, the Guardians, excuse me. The Guardians have made a very good showing this year and they they have done it in quiet fashion. We'll see what happens today with Bieber. They got Bieber at home against the Rays. I think he's minus one forty five. Not a game I'm gonna touch. But uh, I, I don't necessarily see the Guardians making much noise in the playoffs, but it is pretty impressive what they've done and how quietly they've done it. Another guy who's done something very quietly is pete alonzo pete alonzo plays for the 97 and 57 mets he has 39 bombs he's got 128 rbis he's hit 275 he's got like an 880 or 890 ops he should be considered for the nl mvp but he's not even being talked about at all everyone's talking about paul goldschmidt who's really fallen off the map so kind of like the the guardians have quietly won their division i think that pete alonzo has quietly put himself in the mvp conversation what do you think rick
3: Well, anytime you do that in New York, yeah, you're definitely going to get a mention. But, yes, uh, coming up late. Speaking of those Mets, I mean, that's the only divisional race we have left in the NL East between the Mets and Atlanta. Atlanta game back, and it's really not a break-all because they're both getting into the playoffs, obviously. But the Mets, with that one-game lead... Um, I think it's interesting. Degrom uh, had his worst game ever at the Coliseum the other day, and it's funny. In the last week, the A's have beaten Castillo, Robbie Ray, and Degrom. It's like a little late, but yeah. <laughs> but you know, even Buck Showalter said um, he said some days you just see a pitcher and you figure you know you're you're going to win or you're going to lose, but that just shows goes to show you that you can't. So my question is. If you had to throw down, let's just say ten grand right now, the NL East champs will be which team?
18: I really like what the Braves have done this year. I'm a huge fan of how Kyle Wright has progressed. You know, he's he had 20 wins. He's the first 20 game winner this year. Um, He's twenty and five. Striders played really well. They've had Michael Harris has come up as a rookie. He's played outstanding. Vaughn Grissom's played well. They're getting big production out of Riley. Acuna's uh, not doing what he does from a home run standpoint, but he's stealing a lot of bases. I'm just a big fan of of the Braves. I hope they stay the Braves. Hopefully, they're not going to change their name like the Guardians did. Um, but I, I'm a big fan of of what they're doing. I think they have a very good chance of winning the NL, beating beating the Dodgers, even though the Dodgers have had an unbelievable year. And they're, they're the first team ever, I believe, to have over hundred 110 wins. Um, or they're on pace to have 110 wins for the first time, you know, with three years straight for any team in Major League Baseball history. So, yeah, I think the Braves take down the division, but it is impressive to see what the Mets have done. But, I, I mean, they, they did spend a lot of money acquiring scherzer and acquiring edwin diaz and they'd, obviously they'd, they made the right acquisitions. You know, Flint, francisco lindor obviously as well but yeah I'm, I'm, I'm just i'm really it's really impressive to see how well the braves have been at developing talent and how quickly that talent turns into something special like in the case of austin riley and really acuna and and swanson and i mean albies grissom harris right strider the list just goes on and on
15: rick
3: You know, the uh, Yankees, according to Joel Sherman of the New York Post, are contemplating DFAing Aroldis Chapman. And, of course, we know that he missed a lot of weeks with the infected tattoo, but he's 34 years old. He hasn't saved a game since May. His ERA is 4.5, and now they're thinking, you know, we could really use that roster spot. Would you keep him around to see if he could conjure up his old self, or would you toss him?
18: I would toss him. Uh, Raul Chapman's been nothing but awful to me from a betting perspective for the last <laughs> ten years. Uh, but also, the, the guy was when he was throwing 102, hundred and two hundred and three, his ball wasn't moving ever. He was just throwing hundred and two or hundred and three. People didn't know what to do. They they were they were shocked they would see a hundred and three fastball and then a ninety eight mile an hour slider, and they're looking across and it's not six foot ten Randy Johnson, you know. So, uh, but he, he's never really had great control and his ball hasn't moved a lot. So if he doesn't have that overpowering stuff, or if he does, but he can't locate his pitches, he becomes a liability at this point. So if I'm the Yankees, i definitely make that move.
3: And then uh, let's just check out some of the, uh, the games today. Anything jumping out at you that we should take note of?
18: You know, I'm taking a look at the, uh, the Diamondbacks versus the Astros. Astros are minus 215. It's McCullers against Davies. The Diamondbacks have been very quietly, we've talked about it a little bit, but Christian Walker's having a good year. Marte's not having a great year. Uh, Dalton show is having a good year. Corbin, Corbin Carroll, I think, has a chance to be a future MVP, just like Gunnar Henderson for the, for the Orioles. Um, so they, they're actually quietly acquiring talent, and they've had some pretty decent young pitching, like Brian Nelson and even Dre Jamison, I believe, is 3-0 and as well. So uh, this is Zach Davies. He's on the road against Houston. I I don't love Houston's ability to hit the the junk the the Maddox esque not not obviously not as good but you know the Maddox esque junk that Davies throws and I think that the Diamondbacks come away with this game I'm just going to take it run line I think it's minus one twenty five or minus one thirty I but I would seriously consider them for money line in this particular game and then I have and then a lot of the games besides that you've got like the the Reds versus I'm sorry the Pirates versus the Cubs they're minus one fifteen and the Reds I think are against the Brewers they're minus one twenty so there's not there's not a lot of games outside of that. I would maybe take a look at the Nationals versus the Braves. The Nationals have uh, Pablo Espino, He's, or Paolo Pespino. He's, uh, this minus, the Braves are minus 220 on the road. They've got uh, Kirk Moeller, I believe, or Kyle Moeller, who's got a, a 10.11 ERA against uh, Espino. I would maybe take a look at that, although I don't love the Nationals' ability to, to play offense. So I would, I would look at, if I was going to make a play today, I would look at the, uh, the Diamondbacks' run line against the Astros.
3: Last question for you. A uh, interesting tilt at Petco. Dodgers at Padres. Blake Snell on the bump, eight and nine with a three six two. Tyler Anderson, fifteen and four with a two point five two. This guy with the Rockies and even the Mariners, he was a five hundred pitcher at best, and so uh, yeah. it just yeah. the, the Dodgers. They get these guys like Max Muncy and Tyler Anderson, these, and then they become all stars.
18: It's crazy. They just overperform, and Anderson was bad for the Cubs too. He's never been good, and he's just having this great year, fifteen and four. And I've and I've watched some of his games. He doesn't have overpowering stuff. He is locating pretty well, but a lot. I mean, honestly, the other team is just kind of getting unlucky. He's been hit pretty good. I mean, he doesn't strike a lot of guys out. A lot of contact is made on his pitches. That's another game I actually i looked at last night. I, I would seriously consider taking the Padres first five and four game here. I haven't handicapped it very closely, but that's just probably another game I, I would take a look at. Um, Machado's had a really great last thirty games. He's got nine home runs, I think twenty-five RBIs. He's sitting something like three fifty. He's actually probably in the MVP conversation as well. He's actually willing them sort of, you know, to the playoffs. We talked about you know, them getting in two months ago, and despite the fiasco with a hater, there they look like they're still going to do so. Um, yeah, I, I would take I would take a look at the Padres in this scenario as well.
3: There he is, JD Sharp, against the number.com. Always good stuff. Thanks for coming on, bud.
18: Hey, thanks a lot, Rick.
3: We got open lines the rest of the way. Don't be shy. 1 800 87A Play. Come on, bud.
1: That's 800-298-9093. Do you love driving, but you don't love your car payment? Open road lending can reduce your car payment by as much as $100 a month or more. It's easy to refinance your car payment. Just call today to get your no obligation quote and find out how much you can save. To qualify for a lower car payment, your car should be less than 10 years old, have less than 125,000 miles, and you've made at least 6 on-time payments. Call Open Road Lending today to learn how you can lower your rate and your payment by refinancing. It's easy, only takes a few minutes, and there's no cost or obligation to apply and get approved. Call today and see how much you can save. 800 800- 871 9417 800 871 9417 800 871 9417 That's 800 871 9417. Terms and conditions apply. Financing is available with approved credit. See openroadlending.com for details.
6: No offense, but are you a little fat when you look in the mirror? How would you like to learn the secrets to lose three to five pounds a week easily? If you're ready to start losing weight right now, call right now to learn more about your risk free order to Body Sculpt.
1: Call for your risk free offer. 800 738 5332. 800 738 5332. 800 738 5332. That's 800 738 5332.
9: When do broadcasters go too far? Where does hilarity stop and vulgarity begin?
13: I remember how it all began. I used to sing dirty rap to my Eastside fans. Back then, I knew you couldn't stop this rap. No MC could rock like that. In the new style came, the bass got deeper. He gave up the mic and bought you a beeper. Do you wanna rap
10: or sell? Don't ask Rick Tittle to bring it because it already done got brought.
3: Thank you for that, and uh, welcome back to the show. 1-800-878-PLAY, 1-800-878-7529. Come on in and get heard wherever you might happen to be listening, coast to coast, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. You know, interesting, J.D. Sharp just said right there, I really hope the Braves don't change their name and he said that because he's a race No, I'm just kidding it's entitled to his opinion. Um but we did sort of have this issue come up yesterday because the Atlanta Braves visited the White House to celebrate the World Series that they won eleven months ago. <laughs> Man, what's the statute of limitations on celebrating? It's like Larry David. Happy New Year. It's the 6th. What? It's January. Oh. Yeah. By the way, speaking of January 6th, every newscast, or let's say 9 out of 10, that we have at the top of this hour because it's conservative news. You can pick what kind of news you want. You can have liberal news or conservative news. Didn't used to be that way when I was younger. You just had the news. So, you can just listen to people say what you want to hear, which is great. <clears throat> but they always, 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 well, nine out of 10, have some podunk person you never heard of. It's like, today, President Biden did something horrible and to comment. And like, I don't care which way you vote because I'm neither side. I try to just be level headed instead of just pitting each other against each other, it's just like, I think what they want, who's they? Putin, he wants us fighting amongst ourselves. And I hate super conservatives and I hate super liberals. They're just, because they're blind, they can't listen to anything else. It's fine to be one way or the other, but when you're just so dyed in the wool that you just, the other side is automatically evil and stupid. But anyway, every newscast, it's like, Bob Higginbotham, uh the uh, congressman from Louisiana's ninth district, had this to say you know the the attack on the Capitol wasn't an attack, you know it was a tailgate, and uh you know nobody got hurt, which was the good thing and uh, I can't believe that they're still mad about that <laughs> All they did was break a couple of windows, and cause that's because they tripped and fell. I mean, what's the big deal? All right, anyway, the Braves visited Biden. They gave him a 46 jersey. That's the number president he is. And they've now, Biden, being a Democrat, has faced a big backlash. How can you have a team called the Braves go into the White House? Fawn Sharp, president of the National Congress of American Indians said, we have repeatedly and unequivocally made our position clear that native people are not mascots. And degrading rituals like the tomahawk chop that dehumanize and harm us have no place in American society. Now, you might remember that during the World Series, between the um, Braves and the Astros. In other words, the last World Series. Trump and Melania were there, and they were doing the tomahawk chop. And that's uh, the summer before that. uh, Trump tweeted out that teams changed their names only in order to be politically correct. Yes, we see the Indians are now the guardians and the Washington football team, no longer Redskins, but, uh, commanders. And so Biden, who has, uh, made, uh, made no mention of it. He said to the team and why would he, right? You people have to change your name. I hate it. I mean, he could have, if he felt like that. Remember Obama was always very, very hands off um and the quote from him when they asked him what do you think about the redskins name and he said if i were the owner of the team and i knew that that the name of my team was offending a sizable group of people then i'd think about changing it that's all he said you know he didn't he didn't want to get involved he probably had bigger fish to fry and When the Seminoles won the uh, Florida State, won the national championship in 2013, they weren't invited to the White House. And that was a perceived slight like, what, you don't like our name? And the White House didn't say anything. They just said, "Uh, we're busy. Can't really be inviting people. But Biden said yesterday to the Braves, Atlanta is a great American sports city. And the Braves are a big reason for that. This team has literally been a part of American history for over 150 years. Yes, go back to the Boston Braves, the Milwaukee Braves. Now, Biden, and it's not his fault, most politicians outside of maybe two or three, Jack Kemp, Bill Br- I mean, uh, <laughs> Steve Large, I don't know. After just maybe two or three, uh, they don't know sports remember uh, Mike McGuire and Sammy Souser. That's what Ted Kennedy uh, called them at Congress. Let's let's have a toast to them. You think you get the Irish guy's name right. Anyway, when Biden came to San Francisco right before the NFC championship, New York Giants at Niners, Biden actually said, go Giants. And the crowd went, boo. He's like, what? San Francisco Giants. They go, no, this is the New York Giants playing here. It's football. He went, oh. Now, later in the day, the person who had to get the brunt of it was the White House Press Secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre. So they're like, what's up with Biden having the, the Braves in there, holding up a Braves jersey? And they said they're not even considering a name change. So what's she, what's she supposed to say? She said this, quote, We believe it's important to have this conversation. Native American and indigenous voices, they should be at the center of this conversation. That is something the president believes. That is something this administration believes. And he has consistently emphasized that all people deserve to be treated with dignity and respect. You hear that often from this president. The same is true here. And we should listen to Native American and indigenous people who are most impacted by this. Now, you can see why she has the job, right? It's very well said. It makes it seem like Biden is all on board. So then what do the Republicans do? They take uh, her speech and they put it on Twitter. And, uh, (laughs) you know, just to say, oh, look how, um, uh, you know, uh, hypocritical he is, blah, blah, blah. So, in other words, the Washington, um, the Capitol there, you bring in a team, and will it be politicized? Obviously. Everything gets politicized these days. But we know that Trump was such a polarizing figure that, remember, the Warriors decided to stay away, and then he tweeted, Steph Curry, invitation rescinded. (laughs) But when Obama was president in 2015, the Chicago Blackhawks gave him a jersey and he held it up. And he said, as a proud Chicagoan, you know, I accept this jersey. Do you think Barack Obama, a Democratic president, would hold up a Blackhawks jersey now? The answer is probably yes, because Biden just held up a Braves jersey. And it's sad that it can't just be about sports, but when you have a name that's perceived as racist, it's not going to be that way. Now, I remember a few years ago, they talked about changing the Warriors name. And it's funny, growing up, I never thought of Warriors as being Native Americans. And it's like, yeah, that's what it means. And then you look at the old logo in San Francisco when they were here before, and you go, oh, I didn't equate that. And Warriors is just vague enough to escape that, I think. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We got another segment. Come on back, 1-800-878-PLAY if you'd like to get in.
7: Who's watching? Tell me who's watching? Who's watching me?
0: In some cases, they have reduced a $50,000 tax bill to less than 1000 If you owe the IRS 5000 or more in back taxes, call now for
12: a free
1: consultation. Call 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. 800-732-9635. That's 800-732-9635. Remember in the beginning, when you first started to build a life for you and your family
10: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now, back to Fat Boy.
3: Uh, That really hurts my feelings. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Basketball schools. It's a good segue. Just yell out the thing. (laughs) Basketball schools. Something... Or you could just yell at something controversial: "Gays in the military, kids in cages." You'd be like, "What? What do you say? What?" That's not as it's not as catching to say basketball schools. But think about this: Duke football three and O, Indiana football three and O, Kansas football three and O, Kentucky football three and O, North Carolina. Football, 3-0. and Syracuse, football, 3-0. and UCLA, football, 3-0. and All right, let's go to the phone lines, and let's go to Mario in Florida. What's going on, Mario?
17: Tough start, huh?
3: Go for it.
17: Tough start, huh? Can you hear me?
3: Oh, you're talking about the Raiders?
17: Yeah, that's who I'm talking about.
3: Oh, you mean tough ending. It's over.
17: Uh, You think so? I don't know. You know what, Rick? That's not entirely clear to me, given that it's an extra playoff team. And San Diego is hurting, and Denver, I think, is nowhere near as explosive as everyone had anticipated them being with Russell Wilson. And, by the way, I don't know why anyone anticipated them being particularly explosive with Russell Wilson. I I think everyone has 2014 Russell Wilson in their head. And he's not that player anymore.
3: By the way, I got to ask you: when uh, I was talking about this a few weeks ago, Florida A and M had all those players suspended, and then they said it's not our fault; it's the it's the damn school and the and the and the school president and all that. Was that you mm-hmm. telling all these players they had an F's and they couldn't play?
17: I did nothing to foment that interaction. <laughs> if you check. If you subpoena my phone and check my text messages, you will find no incriminating evidence on anything. Okay. Short of maybe, you know, an occasional uh, picture of Jennifer Garner in her short skirt shared by one of my friends. And I don't think that's really a viable mm-hmm. offense.
3: Or, so or, you do, do you saying. have any, or do, would you rather not comment being an employee? Of... I'd rather not comment. Yeah, All right. I'd rather not comment. All right. So FAMU got famous. Yeah, they sure
17: did for a brief window of time. And again, I actually, I'd rather. I, I, I'm a lot more uh, ticked off right now that the state university system down, at least in Tallahassee, canceled. I, I'm sitting here, Rick, is literally an 81 degree, 55 percent humidity day without a you know, with a beautiful sun, like beautiful sun filled sky, and they canceled classes. And uh, it really bugs me because I don't know. I just feel when when you have an opportunity to have me as your physics teacher. You really need to get as many days as you can. I mean, that's just how I feel about it.
3: Yeah, to me, uh, to join, to, to take a physics class would almost be like <laughs> slitting my wrist. I mean.
17: <laughs> like Frankie Penteangeli in Godfather in 1. Is the Godfather. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs>
17: Frankie, <laughs> you're the poor guy, you know. That was that guy's a great actor. I can't remember his name off the top of my head. So you feel all in three is over, huh?
3: I thought it was over at 0-2 because I knew they were going to lose. Really. Yeah, now they're, uh-huh. I, And I was the guy who openly said, why are they hiring McDaniels? He's 1-11 in, in his last 12 games. He's 5-20 yeah. as a head coach. This was the guy that flew into London, and he didn't understand jet lag. I mean, he mm-hmm. just, mm-hmm. it's a complete moron. Do you know
17: my issue with him? And I consider this as something that is, once you do this, it should preclude you from ever getting an NFL head coaching position. Saying yes, when then you no. Draft Tim, when, you draft, <laughs> when you draft Tim Tebow in the first round and say, well, we can do something with him, that speaks to a supreme arrogance, right? That is, that is sort of like Charlie Weiss had. They remember when Charlie Weiss said, well, we'll have a schematic advantage? Not likely, buddy. You're not the only guy in the world that can coach, and you you look real, real good with a guy named Tom Brady as your quarterback.
3: Right. right? Yep. I remember going to see uh Notre Dame at Stanford and Weiss was a head coach and, and Jimmy Clauson. I watched that game. He looked like he was about your size and I thought, why, why? And go, Oh, he's the most pro ready. I go, he looks like a stick. He looks, he looks like he has no arm. I didn't, I didn't get the Jimmy Clauson thing.
17: Pro what? Darts? I mean, that's about the only <laughs> pro tour that I would ever do. You, you, know, you cannot believe if you're not of a certain age, uh, how hyped Jimmy Clausen was coming out of high school. Yeah. They said this guy is ready to go to the NFL maybe in one year. Yada yada. And man, he had like this noodle arm, and he was tiny. And I thought, well, what? What are the people seeing that I'm not seeing? Patrick this isn't exactly.
3: Yeah. No. Go ahead. Patrick Willis, of course, uh, who I think is going to get in the Hall of Fame this year. Oh
15: yeah, I think so
17: too. I he said so
3: too. he took his campus visit the same day that Clausen did at Notre Dame. Uh-huh. And he said that he was completely ignored. He said that everyone fawned over this kid from LA, Jimmy Clausen, and then Patrick Willis was like, I guess I'll leave now. Uh-huh.
17: <laughs> he went to Mississippi, right?
3: Yeah. Ole Miss or Miss went was it Ole Mississippi miss. or Mississippi State, Dominic.
17: Oh, that's a good one. I think it's Ole Miss, but it might it could, it could be either one. It could be either one. Yeah, no, he
3: one he says school. he says Ole Miss. Yeah, you got it. He says old miss hey. who's he? Dominic, Dominic, the the Niner oh, okay. Niner right. fan, yeah.
17: <laughs> Niner life for Dominic. Yeah. How does he feel about Garoppolo? How does he
3: feel about he, Garoppolo? He he, like every other Niner fan, hates Garoppolo.
17: Yeah, well.
3: <laughs> and I told I, I said have, every, I said, I thought Garoppolo was good until last game.
17: Well, it's hard to say because he hadn't been given the playbook. He hadn't done OTAs. He hadn't done anything, Rick. Well, he's and it's he the same. Pretty good.
3: It's the exact same offense they ran last year, though, and he was the starter. That may
17: be true, but he hasn't really had any reps with him, has he? They were trying to move him the entire off
16: season.
3: Well, I mean, he. I mean, you're, I mean, you could make that as an excuse, but remember, he came in from the Patriots, uh, never, it, never had any camp, and he went five and zero to end the season. So that's true. That's yeah.
17: true. Uh, there, there are a lot of these guys. Even you know, in fact, the, the the guy I follow most closely still follow most closely that entire class of. Winston and Mariota and all these guys, they have this one year that makes you think one really solid year, maybe even two, until the league has enough you know, five hundred drop backs, right? At some point you have enough and you see the tendencies and you go, Okay, he does this well, let's take it from him. He does this poorly, you know, let's let's make him do that. And and you see these guys come in. Garoppolo might have had that two year run where everything was perfect, where he had the best defense in football and he and and, it's you know, Rick, here's the analogy. Now that it comes to mind, you and I have had this discussion that a baseball team will pay an extra $20 million for that one game. And mm-hmm. In fact, it's, sometimes, it's just for, for three innings, right? Right. Just for the, the star that you paid the extra $20 million for to come up and hit a home run and change the game late. Or that reliever that you went out and got for $40 million or $30 million, and he comes in, he shuts the door, you win the World Series. Right. And, and, and Garoppolo is one of those guys that is that – one level, you know, one leap, but one one step below. And it was embodied perfectly in the Super Bowl when he played. Mahomes hit the thing, and Garoppolo missed it, right?
3: Yeah, and Joukowsky-Tard. One Tart, pass away. Yeah, and huh? then Chikwaski tard drops an interception.
17: Yeah, and he drops an interception. Yeah, and let me tell you. He, I can't remember the Bengals that dropped an interception when Montana went on that 80-yard drive. <laughs> you know, the John Candy drive. Yeah. When that game was over if he doesn't drop that interception. How many times do you drop that interception and then what happens is the team goes down and scores and, and it just happens every single time you see that man in a critical moment.
3: Yeah. No, it's true. Well, so, I'm sorry
17: you don't, you don't feel like you have anything left to, you know, I, I'm looking well, at... Well,
3: the, the bad thing is because I'm dyed in the wool I have 14 yeah. more weeks of this. It would be really nice to just be like, eh, I'll check it out next year. Oh no, I have to watch Three and a oh, half yeah. to four yeah. hours every weekend. Yeah,
17: yeah, but you know, I, I think maybe nine and eight will get into the playoffs, and they're you know, you know, you have to go at this point nine and five, and I don't think that's entirely unreasonable with a with a deteriorating in health San Diego, San Diego. This is me yeah. with a deteriorating. I still say <laughs> in Baltimore Chargers. cold. So do you really? Yeah, yeah, so do I. I still and I still say the St. Louis Rams. So you, know, <laughs> you have a deteriorating Chargers team. Maybe Denver's not what everybody thinks. Kansas City just got beat by the Colts, and you always play them solid. You always play Kansas. Maybe if you can steal one, two, three, four games in the division at this point,
7: yeah,
3: but you, here, know, you might be able. To. Here, here, You're playing
17: the South, Rick. You're playing the AFC South.
3: I know, but here's the thing: we're also playing the NFC West. The the thing that that yeah. that that kills me is, and the West isn't that great now that I think about yeah. it. But but the the football, as you know. Is the one sport more than any other where the viral apathy? All it takes is one guy going, "And eh, we're mm-hmm. going to lose." Mm-hmm. And I saw it for decades in Oakland. It just—you look around, you'd see the shrugged shoulders in the first quarter, yeah. and you're like, "There's yeah. no chance."
17: Yeah, but, but you know that you are paying right now. How much time do I have? Thirty seconds.
3: You got three minutes.
17: Well, you guys are paying for the decision to make Mike Mayock your personnel man, and and, and you guys got like. Shielin, Chilin, whatever, Farrell, and guys you can't trust on, like Ruggs, and all these kids who didn't work out. And the, he, the, the, for me, the tipping point last year was watching, I can't remember what game it was, but it was watching, it was a critical moment. It was like a third and a half a yard. And I think it's Alex Leatherwood. Is his first name Alex? Alex Leatherwood?
3: Yeah, he's already been cut.
17: Yeah, I know, I know. Alex Leatherwood got one of the at least dozen illegal illegal motion penalties right. that he accrued at critical moments last year. And I thought, you guys are determined to make this guy into a player, and he is never going to be anything other than maybe, maybe I don't know if somebody picked him up, maybe a serviceable swing man.
7: Yeah,
3: he was you know, picked up, I want to say, by the Bears. But here this is the thing, though. If you swing and miss that on somebody who everyone said this guy is going to be great, like if you miss on Ryan Leaf, right? You're like, right. all right. Well, everyone thought he was going to be great, right. but when you right. buck the trend with Damon Arnett and you and exactly. and Alex Leatherwood and you go, well, this guy had a third round rating, and it's like, well, we really like him. Well, why don't you take yeah. him? It's just they don't. He didn't. He didn't understand the draft.
17: Yeah, I remember coming up after Sheila Farrell was drafted. I remember a year, about a year later, coming on this show and reading you some of the names of the players that went after him. Nobody thought. Nobody thought Farrell was. Drafted in an appropriate position. Mm. Nobody but Mike Mayock, because he was trying to build a team with character. Well, I don't know, man. A lot of those teams in the uh, in the Raiders' history were not what I would call the highest character guys, and you all won three Super Bowls with them,
3: right? Right. Well, the other thing is, is I was I was at that national championship, and so was Mayock in Santa Clara when Clemson destroyed Alabama, and he just walked around and he was like. Okay, I'll take Renfro, I'll take Mullen, I'll take Farrell. Uh, I, I was to say, you know, there are other schools too. Yeah. If you want to draft yeah. somebody.
17: <laughs> yeah. If you if you look, you know, sometimes guys leap out, right? And you you that guy cannot miss. I watched Farrell for 3 years at Clemson, and I saw any time FSU had a decent right tackle or left tackle, you know, he he didn't disrupt the game. You watch and Sue play in yeah. his senior year at Nebraska and you can't miss. Right. Even Gerald McCoy.
3: Yeah, and or like a Jadavion right. Clowney, you're like, okay, right. yeah,
17: yeah. Isaiah, uh, this this Micah Parsons, this kid from Dallas, you go, oh. holy cow, they got the best defensive player in the draft. You saw that. Kyle Hamilton's going to be a big deal, right? You see all these guys there can't miss.
7: Yeah. When
17: you take a reach, man, take a reach low one or take a reach high two. But when you got one of the top ten picks in the draft, nobody, will, nobody will point. Well, everybody's always going to point fingers, but you won't be like, exactly as you said. You know, play the percentages and draft a guy. That the NFL says, "Yeah, man, he's going to—he's a can't-miss prospect." How can you draft a guy for character, Rick, that high? You just can't. Yeah. You—if he's got great character, great. But there's no such—there's never been a situation. You know what? No matter how much heart and desire I have, I'm never going to run a five-minute mile. That's it. We're done. No matter how high the yeah. character is, I can't run that five-minute right. mile. I, I keep, could not get off block.
3: I can't dunk either. Hey, I got to run to a break, man. Give me a call again, Holmes.
17: You
5: bet.
3: All what right. You, we're good to talk to you, Rick. All Bye. right. Good to talk to you. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on. Board.
9: to you, and you don't even have to leave your home.
2: Das Platz nehmen der Amerikaner! An Igel Nobel Neige, Hupfer Kim, Hupfer Kim, Hupfer Kim, An Igel Nobel Neige, Hupfer Kim, das ist meine größte Freude.
7: Das war sogar mein Mittertier, 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 das war sogar mein Mittertier und hat die Einigkeit.
10: It, drink in that haterade, and bow down to Ricky T y'all. Uh
3: thank you for that and uh welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. What you got, what you get, what it is. What? Um former Baylor players are blasting this is female hoop now. Their former basketball coach Kim Mulkey over her lack of comments about Brittany, uh, Brittany Griner. She's now the head coach at LSU. And someone asked, what do you think about the Brittany Griner situation? Because we haven't heard anything from you. And she said, and you won't. And so people called her out. And people are saying a player that Built Baylor, two Final Fours, a 40-0 and record, yet her former coach refuses to say anything or simply show any kind of support. Keep that in mind when you're choosing schools. And um, silence speaks volumes. That's another thing. Um, Greiner uh, talked about her, said she was Baylor. I absolutely know there was a championship here before BG, but she made Baylor a household name. And, uh, yeah, Griner has been sentenced to nine years in a Russian prison for packing cannabis oil at the airport. We'll see if she stays there the whole time. We certainly hope she doesn't. But, yeah, having no comment is apparently making people mad. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll see you tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pacific time.
7: You don't have brain damage. <laughs> <laughs> Great way to end the show.